0: Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about Vedana again. But before I do that, um, I wanted to just take a good look at you all. So my experience of that, of looking at you was mixed Um, the sight of you all was pleasant definitely there was something in here that was very pleasant for me to just see you all sitting here and underlying that is also a little bit of unpleasant with regards to starting this talk and uh, I could feel that during the sit too the 15 minute sit just Probably a slight adrenaline effect is really what it was because I could feel my heart sort of beating in a way that it doesn't usually beat. So this is Vedana, opening to what is in the body that seems to have some sort of juice. <coughs> so to just put this whole uh, retreat and sort of where we've been uh, into perspective, when the Buddha would be asked what it is that, what's the meaning of life, uh, what exists and what doesn't exist, he actually would refuse to answer those questions. And he would say, I teach suffering and I teach the end of suffering. And so really that's, that's really what we're here for. And I was reflecting that it started out the first night with the foundational practice of um, sila, or the precepts of, of our actions. And that is foundational. That is really a key part of this practice. Just setting the stage for less guilt, less shame, less agitation, just by doing our best to cause no harm. Then we started working with the breath, because we all have these incredible minds that are capable of so much good and also can cause us so much difficulty. So, the breath sort of anchoring with the breath and just finding a way to find a little bit of ease and just um, settling with the breath. And then moving into the body, covering the other sense gates in the body so that we can really start with more depth to really see our experience what our experience is and when we see our experience then we start to notice with a little more clarity how it is and where it is that our suffering is coming from and then this practice of of Vedana which I personally have found to be a profound practice for me I was reflecting on. I, I I feel that in in our culture, and particularly for men, that uh, but not exclusive to men, that turning into one's uh, most primitive feeling response is not something that's encouraged. Men certainly are not supposed to. Be fearful. We're supposed to be brave. Big boys don't cry. I don't know how many of you heard that message, but I got it. And so, it's been a profound practice for me. And so I'd, I'd like to hopefully clarify and go in a little bit more depth. And Dan and I are going to be doing a tag team uh, Dharma uh, today and we'll be splitting our time so that when I come to a point where words can no longer come out of my mouth and I'm babbling I reach out my hand <laughs> and he hits it and then he takes over <laughs> so the, the, the word uh, Vedana or Vedana is spelled V E D N A, V E D E N A. B-E-D-A-N-A? You know, I've seen it both ways. We had we had a talk about that. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, never could spell. Um, and um, and it, it's interesting because it means in in Pali, the language that the Buddha spoke, it means both to feel and to know. And I think Bob or somebody mentioned that uh, yesterday. But that's really important to understand because it's not only this sort of precursor to emotion, this, just this, this feeling, but it's also a way that we know. And it's an important way that we know. And to develop the ability to sense into that and to sharpen that awareness of pleasant unpleasant or neutral, can definitely give us some insight into our behaviors, what drives us, uh our intuitive way of learning. So this is a um something that as a skill to be developed can be very, very helpful. So I wanted to clarify, we, we talked about that that, that the three Um, possible experiences would be that it would be pleasant it would be unpleasant or neither unpleasant nor pleasant which would be neutral or neither and I think it's easy to confuse this with what we in the West would call emotion and I hope that maybe I can give you a little clarity on this so what we're talking about is, is something that bridges the body and the mind. Something that is the very first inkling of a mental formation, but you're, we're catching it at its earliest stage. And it's to be noted in the body. It's to be experienced in the body. Emotions are complex. They're a combination of body sensation where the real juice is, and that's why this is such a powerful place to bring awareness and thoughts and probably some images. So, uh, I mean, an emotion of uh, of uh, being in a state of hatred would involve all kinds of verbal things. I, I can't stand that. I mean, it's the feeling of discomfort in the body, unpleasant in the body. And then it's all the things around it. I can't stand it when that person insults me. This is the third time he's done that, and, and I, I hate it, and I'm going to have to do something about it. And you have images of perhaps some violent things, or, or, or maybe images of your own sadness. Yeah. And they're complex. And it's easy to get lost in those. Very easy. In fact, once you're in that state, you are pretty much lost. So that's why we want to back up and we want to really put our focus in what's the experience in the body? So that's really what this teaching is. So I have um, a story to tell you. I have the dubious distinction of showing up for three different retreats with injuries. Fairly significant injuries. One was a broken clavicle that had been, that didn't fuse and I had to have it repaired and I had just had surgery. That was my first retreat. Uh, the second one, uh, was, uh, a softball injury where I got hit in the calf and I bled heavily into the calf. My calf and if you saw my calves, you'd know they don't look anything like this. Uh was this big and uh, and exquisitely tender. I mean, really tender. And it was a meta retreat, a loving kindness retreat. And on this trip, I separated my acromioclavicular joint. You might be seeing me sitting with my little, I don't know where it ended up, but my little cushion because uh, I separated this about four weeks ago. And I wanted to just tell you about my experience with that. When it happened, uh, I knew immediately that I'd hurt myself. Uh, I got a strong message. I felt, as I stood up, I felt kind of woozy. So I knew that I definitely had hurt myself. And um, so uh, I had to deal with the pain. Well, this practice is very helpful in dealing with the pain. Because the pain is just the pain. If, if you can work it the pain is just the pain there is the potential to go into all the reasons why i hurt myself and 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 i did a little of that because i had really pushed it to play on a rainy day when the fields were sloppy and i was a bit sorry i'd done that and um but not really that wasn't my primary thing the pain i could handle and so i did well with that and and i thank the practice for this I could just feel the discomfort in the body of the injury. But where it took me some work was with uh, working with my thoughts. And you know, Vedena applies to to thoughts too because thoughts can create um, unpleasant or pleasant sensation in the body. If you think of your favorite animal your pet you can really sort of sense into that little being um, that's, a, that's a type of thinking you might even use some imagery and it can create a pleasant sensation in the body and if you think of what it feels like to be blamed or insulted um, and you have the thought of that that can create an unpleasant sensation in the body so I needed to do some work with the thoughts that were coming up. And I was having a lot of thoughts about um, this softball that I play at 69 years old and um, how I tend to push myself, what is it that I need to prove. Uh, these kinds of thoughts were coming up. And uh, it took a while for me to really start to get onto it. To get with the program and to start to really notice what those thoughts were creating in my feeling body. And I don't know if you notice, but when people talk about feeling, you notice that the hands usually kind of, kind of go here. And I'll, I want to talk about that a little bit later. So it took me a good solid week of working with uh, just every time I caught it working in with the uh, unpleasant sensation in the body because it was unpleasant. Not the pain, but the thinking about the, the injury and the causes and how I could prevent it and letting my team down. I'm supposed to be at a tournament in two days, three days. And so... I'm pretty good with it right now. It's passed, and and I thank again. I thank the practice for that. And I really believe that this waidana practice was the way in for me. It was it was really what stopped it there. It stopped it at the at the sensation in the body, the unpleasant sensation that I could just hang with. I could just experience. And. I would notice that it would start on unpleasant and and then it would have its sort of life and death. It would arise and pass, and then it would a new arising and then a new passing and and that sort of ended up loosening its grip on me quite a bit, actually. So Then we know wadena not by figuring it out. It's not. It's not a cognitive process. It's a sensing in. It's sensing in. It's moving in. And like a lot of things, it's better when you catch it early. And that's really what wadena is. It's catching it before it turns into a full blown emotion and. Dan's going to be talking a bit about the critical steps that link those two. So, why is this thing important then? Why why is this important? One reason is that it drives our behavior. I mean, it's 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 pretty much. I was just reading a book called *The Social Animal* by David Brooks. I know he's the guy who does *Brooks and Shields* on, on if you ever listen to NPR. And he's kind of a conservative guy, but he wrote this book about the mind and thinking. And he he made an interesting comment. He said that in the 1900s, excuse me, in the 19th century, the 1800s. It was felt that our actions were and our actions and our behavior were basically dependent on our willpower. We have enough willpower we can do it. In the twentieth century it moved to our ability to reason. It was more cognitive. If we really can figure it out, then we're gonna we're gonna do it right. We're going to make the right decision, our behavior will change, we'll realize that this drinking is not good for us, and we'll stop. But right now, with neuroscience and imaging and and advances in psychology and all, I think that people are realizing that a lot of our behavior is driven by, he called it, Perception, but I—but what I understood that to be was just the very, the very primitive sort of emotion and early um, thoughts that are driven by our strong habits that have formed from the time that we were preverbal infants. Our conditioning that we may have no inkling of at this point in our lives. And perhaps even further back, it might even be in our DNA. That's the way I look at karma, intergenerational karma, going back several generations, that, that it, sometimes I think it's truly in our hardwiring that we have these tendencies and propensities. And that these oftentimes drive behavior. So being able to tune into our primitive Sense of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral would really bring awareness to potentially to something that can really that drives our behavior. When we pay attention to the breath, to other experiences in the body, sounds, body sensations, sights smells, tastes and when we pay attention to our feeling experience in the body pleasant, unpleasant, neutral something that you may have already noticed and I certainly have noticed is that it's constantly changing so there is some insight that Comes when we start to notice that our experience is just constantly in change, and because it's changing so much, it's hard to say it's us. Okay, what am I? I'm neutral, pleasant, unpleasant. No, now I'm neutral. Now I'm pleasant. Now now I'm unpleasant. So where's the me in that? You know what? What's where's the solid me? You know, that identification that we tend to do with our our feeling. And noticing also that if we hold on to it, it it will cause us suffering. If we identify with it, we make it our unpleasant experience, and it's me, it will that will cause suffering, if we claim. These are the three marks of existence, anicca, which is impermanence, anatta, which is no self as thing, maybe as process, as a verb, and dukkha, which means suffering. So I kind of thought I would have too much to say, and so I need. I want to go to something that I think is really important because I want to talk to you about working with. I want to talk to you about working with uh, weight enough, and how I've seen in my experience, and I and I think this probably is true for most of us who've worked with it. Uh, the the best way, or or the the three ways. Let's put it this way: the three ways. So, way number one: if we're on the breath. We're relaxed. We're aware of sounds that arise. We're aware of body sensation. We're clear. We can intentionally just check in. We can just check in with the feeling body, which I wanted to mention is from the pelvis. For most of us, it's the pelvis to the, to the top of the head. This is our sensitive spot. It's where the autonomic nervous, that's where our adrenaline and uh, acetylcholine receptors in the gut, in the chest, in the heart, in the throat, in the nose, in the face, there's a lot of juice there. A lot of emotional juice there. Feeling juice there. To be consistent. So this is an area that I often will check in with. And you, you can find your spots. Different emotions may hit different spots, and different feelings will hit different spots. So that's one way to just check in, notice the impact on the feeling body. Number two is, and I do this often when I um, when I am at home and I meditate. Sometimes I will just start out by sensing into the body. And just sensing in to, to the where I find my emotions play out, my feelings of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral play out. And I'll just kind of reside there. And I'll just hang with it. And it's amazing how many times I find that I'm having unpleasant sensation. I think Tim re- relayed that, that, that that was his experience, is that, wow, I, I didn't realize that That was there. And oftentimes, sometimes I can figure out where it's coming from, but I don't even really try. Uh, It's not really necessary to figure anything out. It's really not a cognitive um, endeavor. It's really about hanging with the body and just allowing the experience to be. And watching its nature. It's natural essence its characteristics. The final way that I work with it is is sort of when you overshoot it, and I alluded to this earlier, and when you're lost in an entangled emotional uh, thinking, imaging ball of energy, when you realize that, to just... Stop for a second and sense in. I find that very, very helpful, and on the fly, that's very helpful. I was waiting for my to drop my car off, and uh, people were going to be coming to pick me up, and I was having this sense that I needed. The guy disappeared and didn't know where he went. He was gone like for ten minutes, and he, I thought he would come right back, and. I all of a sudden I realized, whoa, I'm spinning out on this thing. You know, and I just went, what's, the? and I could feel unpleasant. And just, just, just sitting with that just shifted the whole thing for me. Took me out of my head and just into the body and just allowing it to be what it is. In terms of using labels, that's optional. If that helps you stay on track, use them. If it feels too wordy and too heady, don't use them. You can play with that. So I think it's a a worthy endeavor to to give it its due, to to play with this. And and you'll have a chance when you leave here, because I can guarantee you something will impact you in your feeling body. And you'll have a chance, if you remember, sati, if you remember, you'll have a chance to see how this works for you. The three ways. If you're in meditation and you're clear, just noticing a resonance of the impact at some sense gate that you're clear of. Number two, just going right to the body and just feeling in, sensing in. And number three, if you're already into suffering and you're gone and you're lost in emotional turmoil, to just, ah, wait a minute, I can do this and to use it in that way. Thank you for listening.